Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Right, we're ready. We're off. Okay, so we hope we've given you a killer case of alcoholism. It's an obsession of the mind coupled with an allergy of the body. We're screwed. (laughs) We need a solution. So, um, we spent how many chapters? Three chapters? Uh, Bill tried to convince us about our illness, if we have it or not. And, uh, I mean, if alcohol was my problem, uh, I only need to go to detox get detoxed, and everything would be fine, and I would be better and better without the problem when the problem is removed, yeah? But my problem centers in my mind, because I always pick up that drink again, and that is, that is my thinking and my mind. So I have to do something about that. And I cannot change my thinking with my own thinking. It's impossible. So let's go to page 44. And here they uh, summarize what we have gone through so far. Uh, To two simple questions. And it says, in the preceding chapters, you have learned something about alcoholism. We hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. And the first question is, if, when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. Mental obsession. Yeah, and that means I've been promising myself, other people, over and over again that I will never drink again. And that's one of the differences that an alcoholic has from normal people. That's the mental obsession. Or, if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. And that's the allergy of the body. And that's the second difference that we have from normal people. Yes. That I cannot control the amount. I don't know how much I'm going to drink when I start to drink. And I have no clue what's going to happen. And do you know what? For years, I used to put and between those two. But it doesn't say and. It says or. One or the other, you're probably alcoholic. To be truly powerless, you need both. Yeah. However, it says or. And I love the way that Bill plays this down when he writes this. Probably. You know, maybe. (laughs) If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Only. Another little word. Mm -hmm. Only a spiritual experience will conquer. 
To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he, as he is means disaster. Is that my experience? Question sign. Especially if he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. Am I an alcoholic of the hopeless variety? I have to ask myself these questions. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. Well, that's for us alcoholics. For a normal person, that would be very easy <laughs> to choose. But I mean, I was sort of, isn't there a third way? <laughs> they only ever give us two ways in here there is never a third way there's only two ways if I am alcoholic if I can answer those two questions yes that's me then I've got two alternatives alcoholic death insanity or spiritual way of life way of life this isn't just a gadget to get sober this is a way of life that is described in here because I am different from other people but they've given me two alternatives. I'm alcoholic. Two alternatives. Alcoholic death or live on a spiritual basis, spiritual foundation. But it isn't so difficult. About half of our original fellowship were of, exact, were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact, the fact, that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. On page 25, there's another reference to this, going back one, where it says, we were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And we had passed into the region from which there is no return from human aid. That's those two questions. Hopeless alcoholic. We had but two alternatives. Now this is, I, I say this is drunk or sober. Drunk or sober. Blot out. One was to blot out the consequences of our intolerable situation as best we could. Sober, I know I can't drink. I'm going to blot out how I feel by doing something else. For me, at 15 years sober, it was playing out in relationships. Some of us gamble, some of us eat, some of us spend, some of us steal, some of us do all sorts of stuff. Shoplifting's a favourite one. Gambling's a favourite one. Because we've got to blot out the way that we feel inside. And have a little bit of excitement does that. Or it says, to accept spiritual help. So this is the second time they've told us this. They're talking very loudly. Very loudly. It says, go insane or die. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you, but cheer up. Something <laughs> like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not to be disconcerted. If a mere code of morals or a better philo philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago.
If I could have changed myself, I would have done that long time ago. I was seeking. I, I was. I was always seeking. I had a. I had a Catholic. A Catholic upbringing. When I left school, I rejected that, and I went into Buddhism. I'm drinking like a mad dog, but I'm into Buddhism. I'm into Zen. I'm into macrobiotics. I nearly died on macrobiotics. There, there's, there's no nutrition there. You know. <laughs> I, I'm into all this stuff. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking to see how a mere uh, change of morals, a better philosophy. You know, we've got, we've got. I'm sure amongst us here, we could, we could put a library together with self-help books. We, we, alcoholics are the biggest market for health, self-help, self-help, because we're always looking. This, this, by the way, is this. You'll find this on the self-help shelf. This is not self-help. This is God help. Different. Self can't. I can't help myself. I had loads of self-help books and I stood in front of the mirror, you know, you are fine, you are okay. You... It never worked. It never worked. <laughs> so it says, but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. How much we willed it. How much will and power we put into it. It didn't work. Yes, because it says we could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might. But the needed power wasn't there. The needed power wasn't there. I could be okay for uh, sort of 10 minutes when I was in the house trying to, you know, make myself feel good. You are okay. Let's do this. Let's go out. Let's be good. And 10 minutes later when I came up, I was a wreck. The needed power wasn't there. I couldn't live up to this moral codes of who I wanted to be in any way, because the needed power wasn't there. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly, utterly. And this is the problem. Lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find the power by which we could live. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. Is it? Is it obvious? Is it obvious? <laughs> it has to be obvious. No, it has to be obvious. You see, I was told to turn statements into questions. Is it obvious that I can't do this on my own power? If it's not obvious, then I am going to continue to try on my own power. I am going to try everything that I think will fix me until it doesn't fix me. And when it doesn't fix me, I get to a place where obviously I can't do it. But until I'm doing that, I am not going to do what those steps ask me to do because those steps are going to ask me to do some stuff that I don't want to do, that I have never done in my life, and I, don't, I run away from. Is it obvious that I can't do this on my own? And, and, and my sponsor and many other people turn around and say, if you think there is something else out there that can fix you, go find it. Mm. And if it doesn't work, come back here. 
Mm. We're the last house on the block. Mm. Come back here. Because I know this works, but I've got to be ready to actually surrender to it and work it. Mm. If I'm not ready to work it, it ain't going to work. You see, if I'd start these steps and hold something back, it ain't going to work. And I've seen it many, many times. There's folks out there that worked all the steps, and they say, oh, I worked all the steps and it didn't work. Ah, no, you didn't. Let's go back and check. Because I've never seen this fail. Seriously. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I couldn't because I couldn't keep myself sober. I couldn't keep myself sober. I always drank again. That was my experience. Always, always. And then it says, but where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is all about. Its main object is to enable you to find the power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. That's what this book is about. That's a very that that's powerful. That this book contains what it can take you from when you honestly want to, you cannot quit, quit entirely or with and drinking a little control. Total hopeless alcoholic. This book is designed to take you from that to a place where you have a relationship with this power that will keep you sober. I can't keep me sober. The power will keep me sober. These 12 steps take us. This book is designed to show us how to get from a place of hopeless alcoholism where I'm going to die, go insane first, but I'm going to die, to a place where I can live a full life of being useful and, 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 and just a full life and actually live a long time. I'm 65 now. I shouldn't be here. If I'd have carried on drinking, I'd have died a long, long time ago. That's what this is about. About finding a power. Not working the steps and solving your problem. Finding a power that will solve your problem. What does step... Well, hang on. What does step two say? We go back to page 59. Step two says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. We are insane because of the mental obsession and the lack of proportion. Our mind will always take us back to a drink. It's a form of insanity. We suffer from a mental illness called alcoholism. Ism, incredibly short memory, ISM. Where alcoholism is concerned, I have an incredible short memory. I cannot remember what it did to me a week ago. But I have this overwhelming desire to drink again. Now, I thought, I thought at step two, I had to have a fully conceived idea about what this power was. It's not what it says. It says that this book will enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. How do we come to believe in this power? How do we come to have, a, have what this power is? Is by working the rest of the steps. I don't have to have a fully formed idea about what this power is. I was brought up 
in a, with the Catholic education. I learned a lot about the great saints of the Catholic Church. And there was one called St. Augustine who spent all of his life trying to figure out what God was. And if St. Augustine can't do it, I can't. I don't need to know all. I need to know that that power is there and it works in people's lives. And how to get, it, how to get a relationship with it is what our steps are all about. Our steps are about a relationship with this power that will solve my problem. But it's not just a relationship, it's an intimate relationship. That's astounding. It's not just a gadget to get sober. What we have here is a path to this power, to an intimate relationship with this power. And the great thing about it is, it's whatever you think it is. They don't put it in a box yet. It's whatever you, whatever you believe it to be. Let's go back. The main thing is that I understand that I am powerless. That I, I am insane when it comes to the first drink. Because if I think that I still have some power or that I can do something that will fix me, if I still think that, why do I need a power greater than myself? If I still think that I can do it somehow, some way, I still think I have power. Why do I need a power greater than myself? I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I am a hopeless real alcoholic and I am going to drink, pick, pick up that drink again it's not a question of if I'm going to pick up that drink it's a question when am I going to pick up that drink again and I have to understand this that I am powerless here inside that I cannot fix myself in any way because if I just take the second step as a mental thing okay I can believe in a power greater than myself okay what I do next I just take it mentally I do not understand that I really am powerless that's what powerless means. I cannot trust my own mind. What can I trust then? If I can't trust my own mind. That's why I need a power greater than myself. To change my thinking. To change my mind. So I get a new mind. Because my mind doesn't work. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. That's what we're talking about with the 12 steps. We're not talking about a gadget just to stay, just not to drink. We're talking about changing the way we think and approach life. Because if we carry on thinking and approaching life the way we do untreated, we will always drink again. I've been around Alcoholics Anonymous a very long time. I have watched people sit in, in contemporary AA and not take the steps and stay sober for multiple years but almost inevitably they get drunk again. One guy I know, Big Mick, back home in Jersey, he was in the rooms before I came. 27 years sober, he picked up a drink. 
He died about six months later. Nobody knew where he was. They had to, he was lying in his in this. He used to live in a nice place. He gambled all his money away. He was gambling instead of drinking. Untreated alcoholism comes out sideways. It's not necessary we drink. It comes out sideways. We do other stuff to make ourselves feel comfortable. We know we can't drink. We have a mental thing that says, oh, no, I'm an alcoholic. I can't drink. But, and it comes out sideways. It comes out in many, many different, different, different dysfunctional, dysfunctional behaviors, if you want to call it that. But it's untreated alcoholism if I'm an alcoholic. And he gambled, and he gambled everything away. And when he had nothing left, he ended up drinking. And he picked up a bottle of vodka, and, then, and he was, couldn't even get out of his house. He was ordering it, and they were delivering it. And nobody knew where he was, and they discovered him 10 days after he died and had to scrape him up off the floor. That's how we die, alone, of this. 27 years sober, you would call that permanent sobriety, but it wasn't. He had to keep fixing himself. And, it's, and I see this many, many, many times. And because it says this, this thing about mere code of morals, I've also seen people that have 11th stepped themselves out of the program. They go, we, we get a code of morals. We find something that, that this, if you like, the, the framework to put God in. And, and that becomes more important than these steps. You see, if I don't continue to do this work, work and rework the steps, I get blocked off. We will see that in the next step. I block myself off from the power. And I drink again. Should we do this? If we go to page 47, there's a question, which is step two. This is step two. Halfway down page 47, it says we need to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, because I'm powerless, or I have some, or I have some, some kind of background in believing something in particular, or am I even willing to believe that maybe, just maybe, there is something out there somewhere, or around here somewhere, that can change the way that I think and approach life. Willingness. Now, willingness is only the prerequisite. It's not the change, it's the prerequisite for change. We have to be willing to change, otherwise we're not going to change. However, once we recognize the willingness, we are usually able then to follow whatever it is that produces the change. Am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? And that was quite hard for me when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous because I ever thought I was the most powerful person that ever lived until alcohol cut me down. And then it says, as soon as a man or woman can, can say that he does believe or is even willing, to just willing, and sometimes I say, oh, I've got a problem with this God idea. Okay. Do you think there's something at work in me that has changed me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, use mine. Be willing to believe that something is at work in me that has changed me. Okay, you're on the bus. It says, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. Yeah. You've taken step two. You're on the bus. 
that has been repeatedly proven upon the simple cornerstone a wonderful and effective spiritual structure can be built. Willingness to believe. That's all it takes to take step two. We don't tell you step two just like that. As long as we understand at a bone marrow level that I am powerless, that my brain will take, my thinking will take me back to a drink no matter what. I love it when folks say, you know, don't drink no matter what. If I even get close to no matter what I'm drinking. You know, they say, don't even drink if your butt falls off. You know, it's like, even if my butt twitches, I'm drinking. <laughs> I can't pull that off. However, if I'm willing to believe that there is a power somewhere, somewhere, and, I, and the book has told me that it's going to show me where to find it, then I'm on the bus. I've taken step two. And they've got a whole chapter about step two because it's an argument. Step two is a windy argument. Bill talks about it in his story. Windy argument. And what it is, it's Bill reasoning with himself to a certain extent about why you should believe and why you shouldn't. And Bill is an agnostic. The guy who wrote this book is an agnostic. That means he thinks there's something out there somewhere, but it ain't personal to him. And actually, he wouldn't really like that thing, whatever it is, that power, looking over his shoulder because some of the stuff he did, he didn't really want that power in there. And it's, it's priceless. This, this, this chapter is actually one of the most amazing discourses on why we should believe in a power whether we're alcoholic or not there was a cardinal who was in the, in the Vatican actually wrote a boss name on this and said this is one of the most amazing things he's ever written about why we should believe in a power greater than ourselves and it was written by a guy who was three, three years sober maximum mm. it's astonishing mm. it's astonishing that's great news for us, it said. Because we thought, because we're alco- I got this alcoholic way of thinking, I thought I had to have this fully an idea about what this power was and all this kind of stuff. But this is great news. I don't have to, just relax. It's okay. Be willing to believe. Very interesting at the end of this chapter. They give us a proposition. Now, I believe that a proposition is something that you debate. Okay, you, when you propose, you have a debate, you've got two sides and they make a proposal. And one side's for it and the other side's against it. Okay, so there's a proposition now. And on page 53, they give us a proposition about this power. We don't have to answer it straight away to get step two. We've taken step two. But now they're going to give us a proposition about this power that we're just willing to believe in. It goes like this. When we became alcoholics, do I believe I'm one of those? Crushed by a self, now it's the first time they mention this, self-imposed crisis. Oh, hang on a minute. Read that again. Crushed by a self-imposed crisis. It's me that's doing this to me. I said last night that every time you read self in here, change it to ego. I'm not trying to rewrite the book. But I believe that in the time this book was written, they didn't use the word ego like we use it today. And they understood self to be what we call ego. I may be wrong. So this sounds good, doesn't it? Crushed by an ego-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. 
My thinking is killing me. That's what they're saying. My thinking is killing me. We had to fearlessly face the proposition that God is everything. There's a good morning meditation to think about that. Meditate on everything. Just the word. Everything. What does that mean? Or else, God is nothing. In which case, I'm screwed. God either is, or he isn't. What's my choice to be? Well, I've just said I'm willing to believe, so I've made my choice. But this is a proposition, so I can go back to this. I don't have to answer it straight away, but they've put that up there. Either God is everything, and as I say, you think about everything. Well, everything. (laughs) Everything. Either is or isn't. If God isn't, I'm screwed. And the only thing you really need to know is that he is and it isn't you. That's it. That's what my sponsor Billy told me when he came to 12-step me. He said, you're going to hear about God. We're going to start talking about God. And he said, there's two things you need to know about God. One, that there is one. And the other one, it ain't you. We've taken the second step. Right at the end of We Agnostics, they say there's one sentence that says, when we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. That's our job now. Our job now is to draw near to that power. How do we do that? Step three through nine. A designed for us to draw near to that power, to take away what is blocking us from that power, the self-imposed crisis, this ego-imposed crisis that stops us from accepting this power, that think that we are okay and we can control this by ourselves. Am I done having it my way? Write that in your book after that. Am I done? Capital letters. Underline it. Highlight it. Am I done? If I'm not done, then maybe I need to go out and explore what I think will get me sober other than these steps. Because I'm ready to make a decision to actually begin the work of these steps. We get to the chapter How It Works. The chapter How It Works contains two steps. Step three and step four. I wonder if they're saying that's how it works. Step three and step four. Dr. Bob said, trust God, clean house, help others. Step three, trust God. Step four, clean house. Step 12, help others. How it works. Step 10 watching for what we found in step four. The process of step four is crucial to what we do here. Step three is the decision to begin to do step four. Step four is crucial 
to what we do, to moving on, because it is going to identify the self-imposed crisis. Shall I read? Let's use let's use the original manuscript. Oh yes. Let's use that. Chapter five in the original manuscript. You can follow you can follow on with yours, and you will see the differences. Okay, and this is really interesting. The reason why I like to use the original manuscript is because you see, up until chapter five, the the the, the alcoholics, the forty or sixty or however many people it was that were around at the time, had absolutely no problem about what Bill had written about alcoholism. But when it came to what they did to recover from alcoholism, they all had an opinion. And they changed what he wrote. And he went along with it because he's working from the, for the he's working this idea of the group conscience. And so he went along with it. But as he originally wrote it, he was talking directly to me. He wasn't saying we all the time. He was talking directly to the alcoholic. It says further on clear-cut directions, it talks about in the book. The original manuscript is clear-cut directions. You see, if I read we more than about three or four times, I think they're talking about them and not about me. That's what my alcoholic mind tells me. That's what my alcoholic we, mind tells me. We, it's them. It's about them. It's not about me. I think this is fantastic. <laughs> How it works. Rarely, and Bill always said if he could change one word in the whole book, he would change the word rarely to never. Never have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our directions. That's a bit different. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a way of life which demands rigorous honesty. So it's a way of life. Way of life. Not way of living, it's a way of life. What they're going to describe in the 12 steps is a way of life for us alcoholics. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capaci capacity to be honest. How many times... Does he mention honest here? Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened when I took the steps, and what we are like now. And if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to follow directions. And this is sort of step zero. And this was the qualification in the old days for AA. Before they came to a meeting, they had taken, you know, uh, they had qualified them, they had taken one, two, before they came to the meeting. 
Do you want what we have? You have to do what we have done to get what we have, you know, to follow directions. At, at some of these, you may balk. You may think you can find an easier, softer way. We doubt if you can. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Now, why do they think they're begging? Why do you think they're begging? They're begging because they know what it happens to us if we don't do this. The people who wrote this book were low-bottom drunks. People died to write this book. We know about their successes. We don't know about their failures. There are people who died. To people, they watched what what happened. I've seen what happens. I beg you to be fearless and thorough. Alcoholic death is not a good one. Mm. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. That my way did not did not work. My old ideas did not work. Remember that you are dealing with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it's too much for you, for you. Talks to me here. But there is one who has all power, and that one is God. You must find him now. Urgent. It's urgent. You must find him now. Half measures will avail you nothing. Nothing. Half measures will avail you nothing. Not half. Halfway, do a little and leave the rest. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You stand at the turning point. Throw yourself under his protection and care with complete abandon. This is powerful. Now we think you can take it. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as your program of recovery. Now, there's one change that I think is significant, and I think it's important. Where it says, throw yourself under his protection and care with complete abandon, what it says in our book now, it says, we asked his protection and care with complete abandon. That's a prayer. Whenever they say we ask in the big book, it's a prayer. So there's a prayer before we start the steps. Here it is. Please, God, look after me and care for me while I do this. Yeah? While I do this, look after me and care for me. So that takes away the fear of doing this. I'm asking this power into my life before I do this. Step four isn't a problem anymore. You know, you hear in contemporary, oh, you're doing step four. Uh-uh. I've got a power that's I've got the power that created the universe. <laughs> All religions say that. It's not a little power, it's the power that created the universe. You look at any religion, don't matter what it is, they all say that's what it is. I'm asking the power that created the universe to look after me while I'm working twelve goofy steps. Do you think that's possible? Sure it is. There's no fear here. Not now. And every time I feel frightened about working the steps, I can say that little prayer. Please, God, look after me and care for me while I do this. It's the beginning of this intimate relationship with this power.
Right. Now we think you can take it. <laughs> Here are the steps we took, which is suggested as a program of recovery. Palace over alcohol, dash. Our lives are unmanageable. We're just about to look at the unmanageability now. The unmanageability in this book, when we look at this, when we look at step three, is not about our decision not to drink. You see, I'm powerless over alcohol when it's outside of me because I cannot make the decision not to use it. I'm powerless over alcohol when it's inside of me because of the allergy. That's the first half of the first step. We've come to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. Now we're going to make a decision. But first, before we make that decision, we go to the A, B's and C's on the next page. A. Alcoholic cannot manage your own life. They haven't explained that yet, the management, but they're going to very shortly. That's step one. That probably no human power can relieve your alcoholism. Step two. That God can and will. Doesn't say if he was sought, just can and will. <laughs> In the original manuscript, God mm. can and will. Mm. Not if you seek him, not conditionally, can and will. God doesn't do stuff conditionally. God's unconditional. We push God away. God can and will. If you are convinced of these vital issues, you ought to reread the book to this book. If you're not, sorry, if you're not convinced about these vital issues, steps one and two, you ought to reread this book to this point or else throw it away. <laughs> because it's not going to be any use to you if you're not convinced. You can go into these steps not being convinced, it's not going to work. Now there are requirements. We're at step two, and it says, being convinced, it says, now if you are convinced, you are now at step three, which is that you make a decision to turn your will and your life over to God as you understand him, just what do we mean by that and just what do we do? <coughs> now they're going to talk about what we do that takes us back to page 52. I was taught to read this in the first person. The first requirement is that I, I see that a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So, on this basis, I am almost always in collision with something, somebody, even though my motives are good. I'm having trouble with personal relationships. I cannot seem to make a living. Why is that? Most people try to live by self-propulsion. They mean everybody. Not just alcoholics. Everybody. Each person is like the actor who wants to run the whole show. I am forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, and the scenery, and the rest of the players in my own way. I want what I want, when I want it, and I want you to give it to me. If my arrangements would stay put, and if only people would do as I wish, the show would be great. Everybody, see I know what you want too, <laughs> including myself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. Follow what I want you to do and you're going to have a good time too. In trying to make these arrangements, I may sometimes be quite virtuous. I may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. I'm an actor. What is an actor? An actor is someone who is in a play. Actor, theatrical performer, one who takes a part. I'm being an actor when I'm being kind and considerate. I don't really mean it. 
I want you to do what I want you to do. And if being kind and considerate towards you works, that's great. However, on the other hand, if that doesn't work, I may be mean, egotistical, selfish and dishonest. Whatever it takes to get my way. Hmm. I'm having trouble with personal relationships. I wonder why. As, as with most humans, I'm likely to have varied traits. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well, discontent. I begin to think that life doesn't treat me right. You're not doing what I want you to do. I decide to exert myself some more. I become on the next occasion still more demanding, or gracious, as the case may be, whatever works. I'm acting, you see. I'm acting, I'm an actor. Admitting that I'm, uh, the still the play doesn't suit him. Discontent. Doesn't suit me. Admitted I'm somewhat at fault, I'm sure other people are more to blame. <clears throat> uh, lost, my, lost my place. I become... Oh, I become on the next... Yes, I become... Uh, yes, I become, uh, I become angry, indignant and self-pitying. Pour me, pour me, pour me, pour me a drink. What is my basic trouble? Am I not a self-seeker when trying to be kind? Am I not the victim of the delusion? Aha, there's that delusion thing again, the insanity. That I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if only I manage well. There's the management. This is the second half of the first step. This is what I'm doing that takes me back to page 52. This is why I'm having trouble with personal relationships. This is why I'm discontented. This is why I'm irritable. You're not doing what I want you to do. And I know what you need to do because you'll be happy too. And it has to happen because if you don't do it, I'm unhappy. And if I'm unhappy, you're going to find out about it. Is it not evident to the rest of the players that these are the things that I want? Well, I've made myself pretty clear. <laughs> do not my actions make each of you wish to retaliate, snatching all you can out of the show? Am I not in my best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Because I put on different acts. I can be kind to you, but I can be really angry at you, and next minute I'm being angry at you and being kind to you. Nobody knows where they're coming or going when I'm around them. Because I want you to do what I want you to do when I want you to do it. I'm like an actor who wants to run the whole show. I want everything to line up. I want all my ducks in a row, otherwise I'm going to be unhappy. And if I'm going to be happy, I end up drinking at you. I'll show you. I'll go get drunk. Our actor is self-centered. I am self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. That's the only point where they say ego. But they say self-centered. There's a wonderful illustration I found on the internet of self-centered. It's got like a circle that says me in the middle and the earth is going round me, the self-centered universe. The earth is going round me, the sun is going round me, the moon is going round me, the rest of the stars are going round me, the whole universe is going round me, I'm in the middle. That's self-centered. Something else we do a lot is monitor, self-monitor. How am I feeling? Am I feeling okay? Am I hot? Am I cold? Am I happy? Am I sad? <laughs> Self-centered, I'm looking inwards. I'm not looking outwards to see how you're doing. I'm looking inside all the time. Self-centered, I'm inside. Self-centered. And then they give us some self-centered people. But then they say selfishness, self-centeredness. That we think is the root of our troubles. 
this spiritual malady we hear about in Alcoholics Anonymous, if selfishness, self-centeredness is the root of my troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity, self, 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 we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but invariably, that sometime in the past we have made decisions based on self which later put me in a situation to be hurt. Basically, we say basically our troubles are our own making. They arise out of ourselves. And the alcoholic is almost the most extreme example that could be found of self-will run riot. I love the way they write that in the original manuscript. I'll read it again. That the alcoholic is almost the most extreme example that could be found of self-will run riot. Though he usually doesn't think so. That doesn't mean to say we are the only people who are self-will run right. This whole world is full of people who are self-will run right. But we are the most extreme example that could be found, <laughs> even though we don't think so. And we don't think so, because we're in the delusion. You may have moral... It says here that there is... that, that um, Above everything, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of the selfishness. We must, or it kills us. It's not alcohol that kills us. The spiritual malady we produce by living like this. We shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit by living like this. We produce the spiritual malady. I don't, wasn't born with the spiritual malady. I learned this stuff. Or I was born with this huge ego. Otherwise, what are we looking for in step four? We're looking for what they're describing here in step four. We're not looking for a spiritual malady. They haven't, they've told us about what's wrong with us. They talk about, when we get to step four, they say that the, 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 the resentment is what shuts us off from the sunlight, produces the, produces the spiritual malady. I make myself spiritually ill by living in a selfish, self-centered way. And it says, that we must be rid of this or it kills us, God makes this possible. And there is no way of entirely getting rid of self without him. You, have a mor you, are, you may have moral and philosophical convictions galore, but you cannot live up to them, even if you would like to. Neither can you reduce your self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on your own power. You must have God's help. But I'm blocked off from God. How do I get to God? Well, that's what these steps are all about. When we come back... We got one more break before lunch, or was this lunch? This is lunch. Okay, when we come back, we'll look at step three, and we'll look at the mechanics of step four. And the mechanics of step four is really, really simple. As they're laid out in the big book. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.